in your family, maybe there was alcoholism, maybe there was addictions, maybe there was, you know, whatever. But when we break the curses, praise God, we get in there and we sever the spirit that makes the people want to do those acts. That's why it's so strong. But beyond that, we are able to release generational blessings. So the opposite occurs. We're able to release into ourselves and into our children a desire to do right, a desire to serve God. Listen, Christianity isn't just about rules of do's and don'ts. It's the changing of a heart. It's the changing from the inside out. It's getting a makeover from the inside out. When I got saved, you know, I like to say it, I got a whole new set of want-tos. It wasn't just, okay, I got to go to church now. I got to clean up my act. I got to do this. I can't hang out there anymore. It was something changed on the inside of me that said, I don't want that anymore. I want only what God has for me. And that's been the driving force within me for over 30 years. And that's what we're talking about is releasing within our hearts and within the hearts of our young people, a desire to serve God. Ephesians 6. Uh, verses two through four, I believe it is. Uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, honor your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. This is the first commandment that had a promise attached to it. So what the promise is, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Now do I get an amen from over here? Amen. Provoke not your children to wrath. So we're going we're gonna to approach this from both angles, okay? From what the kids need to do and what we as parents need to do, okay? Uh, now I love this scripture, Malachi 4, 6. And God will turn the hearts of the father to the children. And the hearts of the children to their fathers. Isn't that just wonderful? And then Proverbs 23, 24. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. And he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Isn't that a wonderful promise? That we will be able to just enjoy the fruit of our labor. Love the children. Have peace in the home. Which Isaiah 54, 13 talks about. All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. You know, I think that we live in a world where there is probably more chaos and confusion in the homes than in any generation before us. You know, our kids in this day and age are confused Our kids are looking for things to make them happy. Our kids are searching for something to fill their souls. And because of of so many families not bringing their kids to the Lord, bringing their kids to church, the kids are just out there vulnerable, looking for something to fill that void in their hearts. We've never lived in a day and age where there is so much media that is trying to influence our young people. You know, things... In, in my generation, you know, we had the, the free love spirit come in. We had all the drugs ushered in. We had the freedom and the liberty and all those things. But you know what, parents? Think about it. We were pretty much in our teenage years when all that came into our lives. We were a little bit more equipped 
to deal with those things than the kids of today. We've got in epidemic proportions kids that are in middle school and, and grade school dealing with the pressures of drugs and addictions and, and, and immorality and all the things that we dealt with when we were in our late teens. Kids are being immersed every day and bombarded with this peer pressure to live a certain way, to look a certain way. You know, you can't even turn on the TV without hearing about, you know, Britney Spears and, you know, she's at a gas station getting... Who cares? And yet there's an influence on our children not only just to be immoral, but to be shallow, to be shallow. There's a great vacuum of all of this stuff that is trying to suck our children into it and to lessen their morals and to lessen their values. And listen, parents, I read some statistics to give you hope. There's recent polls that have been taken that still children say, even in this day and age, that the most important influence in their lives is their parents. Praise God. So that gives us hope, okay? Children that were polled said that really it means more to them to get their parents' approval than their peer pressure approval. However, having said that, okay, that's the good news. That gives us hope. But having said that, parents, we have to be dialed in to our kids. I read a statistic years ago that said that the average father really only has an ongoing conversation with his kids two and a half minutes a week. Now think about it. That's not that hard to understand because I'm not talking just casual passing in the hallway, how you doing, or sitting down to a meal and then immersed in the newspaper or the TV or something else. I'm talking about a one-on-one where you say, how's it going with you? How's, how's the world treating you this week? What's going on at school? Tell me about your projects. Tell me about uh, what, what grades you're getting in school. How's the, how's the friendship thing going? What's, what's going on in your life? What's happening in your world? And an ongoing, serious conversation. It's so critical that we don't let this generation slip away. That we don't let them just become victims of the world that's out there. That we don't let their morals and their values just slip away one step at a time. Look, you know, parents, you may have your values here, but your child slips down to this level. And it's like, well, you know, that's not too bad. Next thing you know, they're down to this level. Well, you know, they're not doing too great this, weird, this year, but I know it's going to turn around. Next thing you know, they're at this level. Well, you know, I guess they're not so bad compared to the rest of the world. Next thing you know, they're at this level. And pretty soon, it's a slippery slope. And they're not going to end up picking themselves up and turning things around. They're going to end up on that slippery slope. That's why as parents, we've got to watch what our kids are doing. We've got to pay attention to them. We've got to make sure that our kids are on a path that leads them to eternal life. Listen, amen. Listen, in my family, you know, we live the same world that you do. And just because we're in the ministry doesn't mean that we're immune from the effects of the world. And doesn't mean that we don't have to make the same choices. Listen, there's a whole lot of ministers out there that kids are, you know, not serving God and not doing right. 
So I'm not talking just about a biblical pattern. I'm talking about what we've lived for 30 years and by the grace of God have been able to carve out a good life for ourselves and have been able to raise kids that, no, they're not perfect, but they're serving God. They love God. They have a relationship with the Lord. And we've passed on a general ble- generational blessing that they now are passing on. Years ago, I read this little article. It was in the Parade magazine, and it was about... The Bush family. This is when George Sr. was in office. And it was a really neat little article. It was about the family unit. And the reason that I remember this so vividly is because on the cover they talked about an interview with George and Barbara Bush. And the picture on the cover that represented the presidential family was a picture of them on a Sunday morning in their jammies, in their big king-size bed, having breakfast reading the newspaper, playing puzzles and games with all their grandchildren. This is the presidential photo in their jammies, in their bed. And why it struck me was because I thought, now why would they pick that picture to put on the cover of this magazine? Because that is what they valued. Now, apart from politics, I'm not talking politics here. I'm talking family. Now, here is a family that raised some children that went on to be governors of states and a president. So I think maybe they have something to say about how to raise a good family. Amen? And I'll never forget this because what, what this uh, reporter asked Mrs. Bush, Barbara Bush, he said, what do you feel that your role is in helping to create the future of America? And here's what her response was. As a politician, as the president's wife, as the first lady, this is what she said. She said, my greatest role in creating the future of the U.S. is to tell parents to raise good children. If we raise great kids, we'll have a great nation. How simple is that? How simple is that? We teach what we know, we reproduce what we are. And if you will have good families and good children and good strong marriages, you'll reproduce that and export that into the world. And it is world changing. It might start little. It might be a little family unit. But listen, right here, the influence that we can have in this city, the influence we can have in every school that's represented right in this section right here, we can change the world around us. And that's all God expects of us. For years, Larry and I didn't realize that God wanted us to put time into our family first. This thing, this thing, this spirit in the world of ministries of where, you know, everybody else gets all of your best and, well, we have to forsake our families for the sake of the ministry, that is bogus. That is not in this word ever, 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 ever. The enemy will fight us, you know. The enemy will fight us in our families if we're loving God, and whether we're in the ministry or whether we're sitting here in the pews. The enemy will fight us. But we don't have to forsake our families in order to be successful in ministry or business or anything else. Can I get a great big amen? There were times in our life where we realized, man, you know what? It's been months and we haven't done anything with the family. We got to start doing this. That's why we started Shabbat in, in, in one sense is to have a family time, to have time where we regroup and get together and build that relationship instead of letting it just slip away and disintegrate. And so we're in the same boat. We make adjustments all along the way of our lives. 
We say, you know what? We got to slow down a little bit here. We got to take care of the business at hand. Because guess what? If it's not working at home, let's not export it. Amen. I have people all the time say to me, you know, we love the message that you guys teach, but we really love seeing that your family loves each other and that your family's serving God. Now, I'm not saying they're perfect and I'm not saying, oh, look at my family. I'm just saying, look, we found some things that work and we want to help you to have some things that work in your family. And, you know, we haven't done everything right, but we found a few keys out of the word of God. And we've carved out a few things on our own and figured a few things out. And we've got some pretty good plans that we can lay out for you to raise good kids. Amen. I read this other statistic recently that 94% of Americans that were polled say that home is the most important place in the world. But there was a large majority of those 94% that said, in theory... We want it to be great. We're not quite sure how to make it great. And so they're clueless as to how to build a good marriage, how to create a blended family, how to create uh, good children that are on a positive course in life, how to, how to create children that want to be high achievers without, you know, pushing them too hard. I read this book that... Uh, Recently, it's called Mother Nurture. Actually, Katie bought it for me for Mother's Day. It's called Mother Nurture. This isn't a Christian book that I'm talking about, but she went and she did a study of like Steven Spielberg's mom, um, Alicia Keys' mom, uh, some of the great CEOs and business people of, of the nation. And what she did was she went and interviewed all of their moms to find out how they created these super kids and these super adults. And there's some things that I kind of found as a consistency through this book. And I want to talk to you about some of these things. But I thought it was kind of a neat story. Uh, Mrs. Spielberg, Steven Spielberg's mom, she made some statements. And she said that it was really no surprise that Steven Spielberg became Steven Spielberg. Because his whole Youth, his whole adolescence and childhood was about making movies in the backyard. She said, I saw his giftings and I saw his desires. So while other kids were out playing uh, with trucks when they were little or baseball or whatever, his passion was this movie making thing. So she said, I just, I just, I loved it. I love to create things. And she said, I have a, a zest for life. So she said, when he was 12 years old, he said, uh, Mom, would you drive me to the desert so I can make a movie on the desert uh, animals and the desert bugs and the desert flora and fauna? And So she w- took him to the desert and they camped out and he made this movie about the desert. But she said they had so much fun doing it. And so she helped to foster that passion that was in his life. And so then by the time he was 14 or 15 years old, he had already produced movies that were being seen all over the world. And so she said it was really no big surprise that he ended up doing what, what he was, what he is doing now. She facilitated his abilities and his passions. And that's a big part as parents when we see the giftings that are in our children to be able to say, okay, now this, there's something here. He's got a passion for this or she's got a drive for this. And so to help move them along that course of their life, she says, Shabbat, 
was the most glorious day in our house. She said the joy that it brought into our family by having that special evening together every night or every week and coming together as a family, lighting the candles, worshiping the Lord together, praying with each other. And she said the joy that that created in our lives and then passing on that tradition is very significant. And so I thought that was pretty profound when you think, and a lot of these studies in this book, they talk, one of the recurring themes that she asks people about is the, the, the absence or the presence of religion or spirituality in the families. I thought it was really significant how they brought that out and talked about that as a special time together. They talked about creating family traditions in, in their homes. They talked about coming together. You know, this is why Shabbat is so important. You're out there all week. You're doing all these things. Everybody's running in a million directions. But at Friday night at sundown, you come together. You light those candles. You connect with each other. You sit down and you have dinner together without the TV blasting, you know, or without everybody, you know, doing their thing or eating dinner in the car. You know, maybe we can't have dinner every night together, but we can make a point to have dinner together on Friday night. Amen. And so Shabbat is about the spiritual time. Of course, we understand, you know, it's God connecting his super to our natural, but it's also for us as our families because we're running a million miles an hour. We're doing a million things. And when you come together, this is one of the most recurring themes in this book, in the stories of people that went on to be successful, is every mom said, I tried to have dinner with them as much as I could. This same principle applies to moms and dads with our kids. But they taught them that they were to make a contribution to society. Um, for instance, one, one of the moms of a lady, um, have you ever heard of Madeline McElveen? She is the president of the Red Cross, and President Bush appointed her in 2004, just done a tremendous job with the Red Cross. And in these last few years, don't we know that the Red Cross has played a pretty important role in the world? And, amen. But it was a neat interview with her mother where she, her mother is like, you know, in her 90s now and talks about how they were a religious family, that they always went to church together, they always loved God, and they taught their children that no matter what we're facing in life, God is going to help us. And let me, let me tell you a couple of the statements she, she made. She said, uh, what you put into your children will always come back out somewhere along the line. So if you raise them in love, it's going to come back out. If you raise them in criticism, it's going to come back out at some point in their lives. And she said, we were a low-income family, but we lived like we were rich. She said, we were rich in every area of our lives except finances. So, you know, that tells us that as we're on this journey and we are deprived maybe in some areas along the way of things that our kids want or we want, we can still live a very rich life. And we'll get to the prosperity. But in the meantime, we can still be happy. And she says this. She says, we never viewed our life as a hardship or stressed we just knew that God would turn it around. And she said, we shared all of that together as a family. If things were 
a, a hard time or a stressful time. She said, you know, we'd just sit down together and we'd say, look, you know what? We're on a journey here and we've got to work a few things out. You know, maybe we all want this or this or this, but you know what? God will bring it in due season. But in the meantime, let's pray it in together. Anna has said this many times, but as a little girl, you know, when we would shop at Goodwill and garage sales, when we never bought a brand new bike for our kids until they were 15 years old, all those years that we had very, very, very little and lived on strict, strict budgets, our kids thought we were rich. They really did. They'll, they'll tell you that. They thought that we were rich because we would always tell them, you know what, guys, we're rich. We're so blessed. We're so, we're so blessed in, the lo- in our lives. And, and they always thought we were. And you know what? We were. We were rich in every area except finances. But you know what? Now we're rich in every area because God is a rewarder. Amen. The things the mom said was we saw a passion in their lives and we nurtured that along the way. They found a way to bring out the greatness in their children. And most of them, they always said, you know what? You can do anything you want in life as long as you love it. Do what you love and you'll be happy and you'll be successful. That's, that's good wisdom. The, another thing that they said is that they always paid attention to their kids' interests You know, maybe it was trial and error. Kids are going to try everything. But there's a particular gifting that we as parents need to see in their lives and then help to carve out and facilitate. And for instance, they they made mention of always exposing your children to a higher level of what their interest is. If they're interested in art, get them to museums. Take them to museums. Show them some things that are in the bigger arena of where their life is leading. If they're active in sports and that's maybe the direction they're going to go, take them to some games or, you know, let them meet some athletes or, you know, expose them to the larger picture. If your kids are going on a path towards ministry, you know, get them involved in, in meeting ministers and meeting people in that arena. You know, I know when Luke wanted to become our youth pastor, you know, we sent him to big conferences so that he could get in there and see how to do it on a larger scale. And we expose them to the bigger picture. And so whatever it is, if they're, if they're musically inclined, you know, to take them to their music lessons. It can be an inconvenience, parents, to take your kids all the time to these lessons. But if you really want them to be successful, we as parents have to facilitate those desires and those passions and those giftings. These are the moms of some of the high achievers in our world. And they said, I chose a path for my kids. And we have always told our kids this. We said, look, we didn't raise a thoroughbred to hook up with a donkey. (laughs) Now look, Larry and I have told our kids from day one, we love everybody. But in this house, you will marry someone that is going in the same direction that we as a family are going. Brandon is going to, Brandon, we were talking about this with the kids. I took them out Friday night. We talked about all this and Brandon made a great statement. They were raised up in our youth together. So were Jen and Luke. They were best friends, all of them, before they ever, ever, ever started dating. I thought this was so cool. He said, you know, he said it was kind of sobering. It was kind of scary to ask Pastor Huck for his daughter's hand in marriage. 
That's a little sobering, right? Can you, you know, pretty gutsy fellow. But he said, Larry sat him down. And Larry said, listen, Brandon, Anna is my daughter. I've raised her. I prayed over her from the time she was in the womb. She is my life, my soul. My kids are my life and my soul. Now, Anna has fallen in love with you, but there is a path that we have planned of success for our children. And when you marry into this family, you know, you bring your success and her success together. And we're going to parent and pastor you both for the duration of your life. As a parent, listen, those children are your responsibility. Those kids are the gift that God gave to you. What we do with them is our gift back to the Lord. And listen, don't just let the world take your kids and blow them around into this and that. You get on top of it and you monitor them. Don't be afraid to say no. Don't be afraid to say, you know what? I don't like the, I don't like the influence of those kids. Listen, I've told my kids since they were little, you know, we didn't put our kids in Christian schools. They were in secular schools, but we taught them, look, you can hang out with these kids if you are influencing them, but the moment I see them influencing you, it's over. It's over. Right? From the time they were in preschool till the time they're in college, till the time they're adults. Look, you have an influence and a responsibility. You know, don't just let your kids go off with so-and-so in this whole group. You don't know where they are. You're hoping for the best. You're turning a blind eye and just, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. As parents, every one of these people in this book said, I knew who they were with and I monitored it. And if I didn't like those kids, I said, look, you bring them to our house. If you want to hang out with that kid, you bring them to our house where I can watch them and I can see what they're all about and I will decide if they're worthy of hanging with you or not. Listen, don't let these peer pressure back you into a corner. You're the parents. We are the parents. You know, maybe we're not right every single time, but we have the right to try to do the right thing. Maybe we'll make a mistake or two. We all will. It's trial and error. But look, your kid's future is determined not just by God, not just by what you want, but by the path you let them take or not take. And if your kids are heading down that wrong path, if your kids are hanging out with the wrong kids, you know what? Tell them no. And if they say, I'm 16, how can you tell me what to do? Say, okay, if you're 16 and you're such a big shot, you go pay your own bills and you support yourself. Amen. But if you're living in this house, if you're living in this house and I'm paying for that food you're eating, you're going to live by my rules. Amen. And you don't listen in this house. Would we just let some doper come down here and start smoking dope on the front row or, you know, or peddling crack or whatever. We have a responsibility. Listen, there's people that want to come in here and do all sorts of things. But we, as the head of this house, will determine the course for this house. As a parent, God has put you in a place of authority. And it's not just so you can boss people and get an attitude. I'm talking about being committed to success of your children. Being committed that they make heaven their home. You know, it's not just about making your kids happy every day. Sometimes the decisions we have to make as parents are hard decisions. 
Sometimes we've got to say, no, you know what? This is a dead end. It's like I heard somebody say the other day, don't be a knucklehead. There's no future in it. <laughs> Look, when, I, when God gave us a vision for those children, we prayed for those kids before they were ever even conceived. When, when my babies were in my stomach, we prayed for their spouses. Before I ever heard the name Brandon Reed or Jennifer, we, pray, we had already prayed and covered those children with the blood of Jesus that God would direct our kids' path to that person that was their soulmate. In Hebrew, it's called the beshert, their soulmate. And as parents, we monitored along the way who our kids would be influenced by. Look, I'm not going to just let some person take my kid down that I don't even know and that probably won't even be in our life next year. Amen? Their best friend this year is probably going to be history next year. Look, many, many people will come in and out of our lives. I've always told my kids this. Thousands of people will come in and out of your lives, but family is forever. Family is forever. One of the things that we have always, always put into our children, you don't cop an attitude with us. They are not allowed to disrespect us or adults or each other. Look, you go through the stores, Ann and I, and the kids we were talking the other night, Anna said, I saw this 20-year-old girl. Her mom had her at Neiman Marcus or Nordstrom's or whatever. They were looking at $200 a pair jeans. And the mom was like, well, honey, how about this? Do you like this? How about this? Do you like... And the girl's like, oh, mom. (laughs) Anna says, mom, it was all I could do not to just get in the face of that girl and say, your mother is paying for $200 a pair of jeans and you're making her feel like a loser? Come on. But you know what? This is what our generation of kids is patterning themselves after. Any TV program, that's how the kids act. Look, that is absolutely not allowed. It is not allowed. You don't let your kids be disrespectful. Listen, I've seen kids in the hallway talk to their parents with this attitude, this condescending, this, it's it's like a disdain. And I'll walk right up to them and say, what did you say? That's your mother. And then I'll turn to the mother. You let her talk to you that way? What kind of a kid are you raising? If they'll disrespect you, they will disrespect everybody. You teach them respect. Look, my kids know. Over the years, you know, we have rules. We have paths. We have expectations. But you know, it's been very, very little over the course of our life that we've had to really discipline our kids or, or direct them in the areas of, you know, sin or bad things or bad motives. But every single day of their upbringing, we had attitude adjustments. And there were more spankings in our house and more looks <laughs> for attitudes than anything else. Do you realize that in society, there had never, ever been a recognition of a teenage, a teenager until 
70 years ago? In every generation, every culture, it's been children and then you're an adult. You know, you do a bar mitzvah or whatever they do in their cultures. You were a child till you're 12 or 13, then you're an adult. But 70 years ago in America, because of child labor, we created laws that would protect teenagers from abuse. But what we did was we basically gave them eight years of a vacation. You know, and in our society, you've got this whole generation that, that looks at their teenage years as a party or a vacation or a minimal, minimal effort. Listen, that is ungodly. Those teenagers, you are forming the pattern for their entire life. Don't look at it as just, well, I don't want to be too hard on them. I want them to enjoy life. I want them to have a good time. So do I. And we will. But first and foremost, we're going to produce some things. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to be on a path that has accountability. We're going to be on a path where we're producing things in your life. You're going to establish patterns in your life that you will succeed in life. But we're allowing them to come into adulthood totally unprepared for what life has for them. Look, there's no free rides in this society. It's a tough world out there. And you don't want to let them just slack off in these years and get a C when they're capable of an A. You don't want to let them just do the bare minimum in school. Expect the best of your children. Listen, they will produce the best, but validate them, honor them. Get yourself some praise phrases. Good job. From the time they're little, put into their hearts that they are doing a great job, that you're so proud of them. When I'm talking about disciplines, I'm not talking about just being harsh all the time. There's times to be harsh, but most of your discipline can come from a very positive standpoint. Look, when they come home with a C and you know that they're capable of an A, but they just didn't put the effort in, you don't have to beat the fire out of them. You just need to tell them, you know, this isn't acceptable, guys. Look, I know you can do better. You know, we're proud of you. We're so glad you got all these other great grades, but here we need to bring this up a level because I know you are capable of so much more. (laughs) Expect the best of them. You've got to get the good things in while you have the time. There's a small window of time that you have to influence your children. When they are adults, you know, you still influence them, but it's different. But when they're little, you reproduce what you are. You teach what you know, you reproduce what you are. You know, the Torah, Larry talked about this last week, and I I don't want to go there for very long, but whenever we are instructed as to how to live in our lives, it comes with the obligation to teach that to our children. So when God says to live right, when God tells us, you know, don't be out smoking dope, don't be out hanging doing this, don't be out doing that, sleeping around doing all, you know. Parents, we have an obligation to enforce that with our children as well. The standards in this world are nowhere close to what God expects. And if you allow them to take little tiny steps, one at a time, next thing you know, next thing you know, and they're getting closer and closer and closer to the gates of hell. Now, as a parent, you know, we, listen, I struggle with this. You want your kids to like you. You want to be on good terms with them. But compromising is only going to get you on this emotional roller coaster forever and ever. You've got to lay it down 
and then enforce things along the way. You've got to lay out the path. Look, get your kids in church. This is one of the things that has always boggled my mind. Parents that say, well, I don't want to force them to get in church. Do you force them to go to school? Do you force them to get good grades? Do you force them to go to the doctor? Do you force them to go to the dentist when they have a tooth that's decayed? But you're not going to force them to go to church. Well, I don't want them to get turned off. Well, they have absolutely zero chance of getting turned on if they're not in here. Listen, I'm telling you straight out, parents. You're not going to turn them away by having them in church. God will get a hold of their hearts. I've seen over 30 years, guys, of raising my kids and in the ministry. I've seen thousands and thousands of kids. You just get them in the door at least and give the Holy Ghost a chance to get a hold of their hearts. Just give them a chance to get it. They might be sitting there copping an attitude. They might be sitting there thinking they're not interested, but I promise you, God is going to get one little hook in their hearts and he's going to pull them along. And furthermore, you do have the right to tell him this. I expect a good attitude. Look, as I raise my kids as the mom and as the pastor of the church, I kept my eye on them in church. And I always... That's right, sister. And I always told them, I have spies everywhere. So guess what? Even if I don't see it, somebody will. And if somebody doesn't, the Holy Ghost is going to find you out. I am watching. And they knew it. Listen, this is one of the biggest areas that parents struggle with is how strong should I enforce the rules with my kids? You're the parent. God entrusted you. It's like the president of our country has been entrusted with a gift to lead our nation. Well, you as a parent are entrusted with a gift to raise your family. Look, I can't tell everybody else what to do. I can try, (laughs) but I can't enforce it. But I can sure tell my family what we're going to do. Amen. And we can go by the guidelines in the Bible and we can have success in our families. There's a little story I heard years ago. This, this young mother had four or five children, and she's pushing her stroller along the streets, and she's got her kids all following her, and they're happy and smiley. And someone walks up to her and says, What a beautiful family. I'd give my life to have a family like that. And the young mother said, Well, that's just exactly what it takes, is your life. But it is so worth it. Look, there are times, you know, in your life, you make adjustments and you say, kids, you know what? We've kind of loosened some things up here, but we're going we're gonna to shape things up because I know what you're capable of. I know the responsibilities that I have to help guide you along these paths. I know that maybe we've been slack in some certain areas and I've let you hang out with this or this person or whatever, you know, just to appease things. But I don't like the influence I'm seeing here. And I know we can do better. And our kids have made sacrifices along the way to give up, to go up, to give up certain friends, to give up certain influences, and to be maybe lonely for a little while. Isn't that right? And they've been lonely for seasons in their lives until God brought people into their lives. And it's not easy as a parent. 
It's really hard as a parent to see your kids lonesome. But it is far worse to see them go down the wrong path and end up in destruction because we compromise their soul. Amen? 1 Peter 2.9, you were chosen to tell about the excellence of God. We have a calling. We have a destiny. And these kids over here, you kids are called to show the world the excellence of our God. God has so great of destinies for you guys. Look, I'm going to tell you straight up. I look at you kids and all I see is potential. I don't see you just as you are today. I see you as how God is going to use you. I see you like I saw my own kids when they were little toddlers learning to walk. And we'd pray and say, God, raise them up to be ministers. Raise them up to be children and and adults that love you. God, raise them up to have high standards and to be people that will emanate the love of God to the world. I didn't just see them as little kids toddling. I saw them as men and women of God. And we prayed that in and we enforced that. And when I look at you guys, you guys are going to influence your world. You are going to rock your world. And so don't compromise. Never bow down. Never compromise. Don't don't compromise your greatness just to hang out with kids. Look, there are influences. They might be there today, and you might think, well, I'll compromise to fit into this crowd. But guess what? Next year, they're going to be moved on to somebody else, and you're going to be high and dry. And you're going to have compromised for the cost of what? For the sake of what? Only, only to compromise your own integrity and your own walk with God. When you make the choice to serve God and live for God, come no matter what, God will honor you. Listen, if you hear one thing, if you will honor God, he will honor you. You are set apart for this generation. Set apart from the world standards. Set apart from the junk the world thinks is important. Set apart from the shallowness and set apart for the work of God. And when you honor him and you put him first and you begin to honor your family and honor your parents and honor the ministry that God puts in your life, God says, oh boy, I got a special future for this kid. I got a special plan for this kid. Amen. And you won't even imagine what God will do with your lives. Lift your hands together. Father, today, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would do something so special and new in our homes, in our lives, in our families. Father, we thank you for the gift of a family. And Father, help us to never take that for granted. Help us to never shortchange the family and the investment for the future that we have in our families. Father, I pray today that every curse would be broken. We break every generational curse in the name of Jesus Christ. I break every negative generational pattern in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, today I pray that you would reverse every curse and that you would release generational blessings in us and for us and through us. Father, I pray that all of the stored up blessings that you've had for us would begin to be released from this moment forward. Father, I pray that you would bring restoration.
into our families in the generations before us and the generations after us, Lord. Let us be a repairer of the breach. Let us be the ones that stand in the gap for you, Lord, and turn the tide for the good. And Father, as we said before, that the morality of the world can be overturned in one generation. Father, I speak that in one generation, we will get that morality back. Father, I pray that you would enthuse us and infuse us with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray for every parent in here that you would give us wisdom, insight, give us compassion and empathy and love for our children and our homes and our marriages and our spouses. And Father, I pray that you would give us the wisdom, Lord, in how to deal with our family members. Father, get us off of that emotional roller coaster and put us on solid foundation, Lord, solid ground. I pray you'd give us parents the strength, Lord, and the wisdom to keep our family on course for you. Father, I bind every spirit that would try to influence our children. I rebuke every spirit from the hell that would try to influence our children and destroy their souls in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we stand in the gap for our children. Father, we call them home right now in Jesus' name. Father, we speak into the lives of our children. Lord, we prophesy into their lives that they will be men and women after your own heart, that they will stand in the gap for their generation. God, raise them up as a light to the young people of this world. Father, turn the course of this world, Lord, with our young people. Father, raise them up, God, to be strong and holy and righteous, Father, before you. And Lord, I pray that you would bless them and bless them greatly. Father, I speak to these young people, every one of our children that's here today and every one of our children that's out there today. Father, we call them home through the blood of Jesus. We break every stronghold on their minds. We break every bondage of addiction. We break every bondage of influence from the enemy in Jesus name. And father, we call them in Lord. We'd line them up with your word and with your will. Father, I pray that you would rise up on the inside of them. God, give them a whole new set of want to's father, cause them to be men and women after your own heart. Lord, father, I pray that you would convict all of us. Father, when we do wrong, speak to us in the night, God, put a desire in us to live for you and to do what's right. Father, I speak Lord, that you would raise up this generation, God, to take this world back from the enemy, to be this new standard, God, that that speaks to the world and that creates an example of righteousness, of holiness, of substance, of depth, my God. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are doing a new thing in this world. God, I pray that you would do a fresh and a new work in our lives. Father, I pray that you would raise up our families to be a light to the world. Father, that we can be a light in the darkness, that we can show a new and effective way of parenting, of marriages, Father, that the two shall become one. Father, I pray you'd use our lives to be a light to this world of darkness. Father, I pray that you would bring in the stored up blessings. Father, I pray restoration. Everything that the enemy has stolen from us, God, we call it back a hundredfold. I rebuke every spirit that has stolen from our joy 
joy and our peace in our homes from the generations before us. And God, we call it in. We call it in. Father, we know that Romans 8, 28, everything works to the good of those that love you. And Father, I pray if we have made mistakes, if we have done wrongly, Lord, that you would bring restoration, God. And Father, everything the enemy stole, that you would multiply it back into our lives. Father, the joy that he stole from our homes, the peace that he stole from our homes, the love that he has stolen from our families. God, I speak multiplication back into us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that it's not by might, not by power, but by your spirit that restoration comes. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for our single moms especially and our single fathers, God, that you are with them. Father, that you are protecting them and their children. And Father, in the absence of a spouse, Lord, that you are that spouse, that you are covering those families with the blood of Jesus. Father, that you are working overtime in those children's lives to cover where that gap is. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that everywhere we go, you are there before us, with us, and after us. Father, you are looking and leading and guiding our children every step of the way. And Father, I pray for these single parents, Lord, that you would bring that perfect spouse into their lives. Father, that you would line them up, God, that you would give them the desires of their heart and that you would bring a divine intersection of eternity. Bring that perfect Beshert to them, Lord. Their soulmate, God, bring that to them, Lord. And Father, I thank you for it. And Lord, I pray for our children, born and unborn, that you would bring the perfect spouse and the perfect people into their lives, God, to partner with them along this path and to be their perfect soulmate when the time comes. And Father, I pray you'd give them the strength to save themselves, to set themselves apart until that due season. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in us and for us and through us. And we release every generational blessing from this moment on in Jesus' precious name. Now, come on, give him a shout and seal this in your hearts.